So now we go to the word together. So Father, once more, we ask for your blessing upon our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, as we go to the live stream, as we go to the word together, we just ask you to minister to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, we read this parable, quite a well-known parable, of the sower and the seed and the soils. And it's so instructive, an incredible parable with important, uh, an important message for any, any believer. Luke's account, and this uh, parable is in Luke, it's in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Luke's account is the shortest, but we will gain some insights from Matthew and Mark as we, as we go. And the context of the, of the uh, parable is important. Let's, uh, let's look here, the first verse here. When a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. The other Gospels here tell us it was on the shores of Galilee. In fact, there were so many people, Jesus had to get on a boat and they pushed him out and all the people faced the sea and he taught them across the water out of the boat as he told these, sometimes they're called the parables of the sea. And he tells this uh, parable. And so in your mind's eye, get the context. Jesus is speaking and he is addressing this multitude of people. And as he is looking at them and speaking to them, he tells this parable because he sees these people and the hearts of these people as different types of soil. Just as there would be be potentially in any gathering different types of heart attitude when the word is being preached or taught as it is even right now this morning. So Jesus looks out and he tells this parable addressing and teaching and um, ministering these amazing truths about how important it is to be a hearer of the word of God. And you could be Maybe you have experienced these, these different types of hearing in your life. It's not that you fit into one category your whole life. There have been times when you perhaps have been uh, in, in a season of any one of these hearers. But we know that the good soil at the end is the one that we are aiming for. Before Jesus even interprets the parable, which he will do, and we will look at that together, we read it and we know, well, obviously the last one, that's the best one. <laughs> Whatever that means, I want that one. I want the good soil that brings forth much, much fruit. So he spoke a parable. Um, the other gospels say he taught many things in parables, saying. But Luke just says he spoke by a parable, which is a short, made-up story to drive home one, usually one particular uh, truth. It's to illustrate and teach a key principle. Jesus taught perhaps over 40 parables uh, during his ministry. And this is a parable of the sower who is sowing the seed. And the seed, of course, is important. But the focus of this parable is the soil. As you look at the different examples he gives, it's only the soil that changes in each one. Like an experiment, you have the constants and then you have the variables. There's only one variable each time and it's the soil. The constants are it's the same sower, it's the same seed, and all of them are hearing, but the result is very different based on the soil. 
So he changes the soil with each picture to drive home this all-important uh, uh, lesson. That the word of God does not always have the same effect in every person's life. It depends on the soil. It depends on how it's received and how people respond to it. And how you and I learn to hear is so crucial in our life, isn't it? Obviously, because this is how we are receivers of the word of God, typically, when we are hearing that faith comes by hearing the word of God in in uh, where is that? Thank you. Romans 10, 10, 17. Yeah. Faith comes by what? Hearing. So how I hear is so important. Mark 4, 24. Be careful and guarded how you hear. Ecclesiastes 5, 2. Be ready to hear when you come into the house of God. James 1, 21. Receive the word of God with meekness. Oh, that's a great key and insight there. That as you receive the word, as you hear the word, meekness is soil that is so wonderful and can bring forth so much fruit in someone's life. In 1 Thessalonians 2.13, they receive the word, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, that effectually works in those who... Believe. Believe. There's an active faith response. I'm not sitting there. No, I'm learning how to be engaged with the word of God. I am learning. Hebrews 4.2 says the word preached did not profit them. Hello? It did not profit them because they did not mix faith with the word. So let's review that. As a believer, it's so crucial in my life that I learn to hear, that I am mixing faith, I have an attitude of meekness, that I am receiving the word of God by faith, and it will bear fruit in my life. I must, if I have an attitude in my heart that I recognize that is defensive or distance, or, or has an attitude, I, that is not your friend. That attitude is not your, your friend. That is an enemy for you in, in, in getting to know God. So, verse 5, a sower went out to sow his seed. And I love that phrase, that simple phrase. It captures my attention. A sower went forth to sow. Now, in the context, this is Jesus and the disciples and the crowd, but the principle is the same for any sower, any preacher, any teacher, any missionary. A sower went forth to sow, and I love that because you don't necessarily know the story behind the sower, behind the missionary, behind the pastor. You don't know the sacrifices, the challenges, the temptations that went, but there they are, sowing. A sower went forth to sow, and I'm sure it was contested, but we're thankful for it. When you hear those words, oh, let's turn in the Bible, or it says in John so and so, oh, we, we are thankful to hear that. We're thankful to hear the word of God and to have it sown in our life. And now he goes to the, to the, to the, te- the principle. As he sowed, some fell by the wayside or by the the path along the field, if you will. He is sowing handfuls, it lands in different places, and some land on the pathway. And it says it was trampled down. Only Luke makes that phrase there. It was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Think of it. 
The seed comes, it is lying right there on the surface of the soil, the path that has been stamped down, and it has such incredible potential, that, that seed. And yet, the bird comes down, snatches it, it is gone. It had so much potential in that person's life, but it is gone. What does that mean? We find out in the application verses. Verse 6. Some fell on rock, or the other Gospels say stony places, or that did not have much earth. There was rocks and stones in there. It wasn't good soil. And as soon as it sprang up, or as it grew up, in other words, as it began to grow, it says it withered away because it lacked moisture. Matthew's account says when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Mark's gospel says no depth to the soil. So no depth, no root, no moisture. And there was some growth, but when the sun came, it was scorched and it withered away. Then the next one, verse 7, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. Only Luke mentions this, that it sprang up with it, or it grew up with it. As the plant was growing, the thorns were growing up with it. That's an important lesson there, but we're going to give the application shortly. Let's just set the stage. And what did the thorns do? Choked it. Choked it. So that it could not grow, it could not. Mark adds, and it yielded no crop. But then the last one, verse 8 and others fell on good ground and sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. Mark says it sprang up and increased and produced some 30, some 60, some a hundredfold. And Matthew changes the order and says some a hundred, some 60, some 30-fold. But Luke just focuses on the ultimate potential. A hundredfold is, is, is the potential there with the good soil. And when he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, just check your neighbor for a moment. Have a look. Do they have one or two? Do they have an ear? If, they, if they're nodding off, just give their ear a quick pull. No, I'm just kidding. He who has an ear... Of course, it's not speaking about these. It's speaking about the attitude, the, the readiness to hear. He who is ready to hear is able to hear. Let him hear. Verse 9, his disciples asked him, what does this parable mean? And we're thankful for this question because we don't know, but perhaps this is what prompted Jesus to, to explain it, and we, we, we are thankful for that. Mark's Gospel says, when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. So not only the twelve, but those that were around the twelve also, there were some others, asked about the parable. And he said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it has been given in parables. Or Matthew actually says, to them it has not been given. Seeing, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. 
Now, in Matthew's account, he gives a fuller explanation of that. I'll read it to you. They ask, why do you teach in parables? And Jesus says, whoever has to him, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even that which he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, they do not understand. Have you ever tried to share the gospel with someone? And, and, and I had this experience the other day. I was doing the gospel lap a few times with this person, and it was as if they were not hearing. And it was, I was, the gospel to me was ringing so clear, and they were just like, oh, yes, well, I'm trying to be a good person. I'm like, what? You are not hearing. And this is what, what is being said here. For the hearts of people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes are closed. Unless they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. And then he says to his disciples, and this is echoed to you this morning. But blessed are your eyes for they see. And blessed are your ears for they hear. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus, God, would say to you this morning, if you are a true believer, he would say, blessed are your eyes, blessed are your ears, for you are spiritually illuminated. And you see that and hear that which the Spirit uh, shows. Parables then, Jesus uses them to kind of like help teach and reveal the truth to those who are looking for it and to hide the truth to those who couldn't care less. He uses parables for a reason. The parable of the sower is now explained in verse 11. He says, now the parable is this. He says, are you ready? I'm going to explain what the parable means. Now notice, he's only explaining it to the disciples and those with the disciples. The, the rest of the crowd are probably, oh, okay, it's time to go. I don't know what the story is about. Do you know, I didn't get it. No, and they leave. And then here is Jesus explaining what it means, applying it for those who have ears to hear so that it could have effect and fruit in their life and they are listening. Tell us, what does it mean? Okay, now I have the crowd. Are you ready? Here it is. So, so many moved on and missed what he had to say. He says, verse, in Matthew, he says, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. And he gives the key, you know, like a key to a map or a key that unlocks something. Here is a key he gives. The seed in the parable is the word of God. Verse 12, he says, those by the wayside are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts unless they should believe and be saved. Now notice this. The seed, as we mentioned earlier, it lies on the, on the path. It has incredible potential, but it is snatched away. They heard it. They were thinking. They didn't embrace it. They didn't believe, and the seed was snatched away unless they should believe and be saved. There was a demonic activity and, and, and strategy that that seed would be robbed from them unless they should be saved. In 1 Peter 1.23, it says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So there it is. It tells us the Bible uses that, that 
term seed to speak of itself. A seed, what, what is a seed? It has incredible potential, doesn't it? You plant a seed and it grows and it bears fruit. And the word of God is likened unto a seed, an incorruptible, eternal, powerful seed that can be sown into the hearts and lives of people, starting with their rebirth, being born again, and they're, they're, they're following, nurturing, and growing as a disciple. He says back in the parable, but the ones on the rock... Okay, so he goes to the one on the rock. Let's just make one more comment about this. Should believe and be saved. So that makes it clear that the first hearers in this parable, the ones at the wayside, they heard, but they did not get saved. They heard the gospel, they heard some teaching of the word, but they did not... It did not come to the point where they got saved. The other hearers, though, it seems as though there was reception, belief, and they actually did become believers. Look at it. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these having no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. So it uses the words receive and believe there. So you can come to your own conclusion, but it seems as though this soil is referring to those who heard and actually did believe. Verse 13, they heard with joy, Mark says, with gladness. But it says that they have no root. And that would make sense if you've been a believer for a while. We understand what that would mean. When you were a brand new believer, you could look back and remember the vulnerability, the weakness, the questions, the insecurity. Remember? But as you grew and you put down your roots and you grew in your understanding, you began to be secure. And those question marks were turned into exclamation marks that God was teaching you. And you were growing in your faith and you were beginning to bear fruit. That's what happens, and putting down those roots are so important. And it says, uh, and in time of temptation, fall away. Matthew's gospel says tribulation or persecution. This is the idea. It's a trial. It's a, a time of adversity or trouble. And when that comes, they fall away. They receive the word with joy. Oh, yes. Wonderful, Jesus, grace, oh, I've been looking for this, oh, thank you, yes, I'm, I'm coming, here's my Bible, yeah. But then trouble comes in their life, and they go. And you're like, what, what happened? And they think, well, when the trouble's over, I'll be back. When I've sorted my life out, then I'll be back. I'm going through a trial right now. Well, when you go through a trial, that's the time to draw near, not withdraw, you go through it with God and his people and you hear the word and you let the spirit speak into your life and your trouble. How crazy it is that, yes, I'm following Jesus and then there's trouble and then I go away, I fall away. I must hear that now today for when that happens. And I think, no, when that happens, because trouble will come. Job 5, 7 says that man was born for trouble and the sparks fly upwards. The trouble will come, the trial will come, the sickness will come perhaps, in some measure, some form. And when it does, I want to go through that with God, with the Word, with His people. So, they are saved, but they do not continue in living faith. If there's one conviction, we hope that every new believer would learn right at the beginning very quickly and carry it all the way through your Christian life 
that I, I always have to be a hearer of the word of God. I always have to have the voice of God through his word in my life. If I don't, it's just a matter of time, though I may not deny the faith, I will lose the sense of a living faith and now I, I will become dull. It says dull of hearing. So I must purpose that I'm always a hearer of the word of God. So there's a principle. Time of trouble, draw near, come by faith. You might say, well, I'm not physically able. Okay, that's, that's obviously then that's a different category. If you're not physically able, you can't draw near, you can't come. There's grace for that. God understands and no one's keeping track. It's between you and God. Let's go to the next one, verse 14. Oh, no, here's a verse, sorry, Colossians 2, 6, about being rooted. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith. Aren't these great phrases? This doesn't happen by accident. This happens by faith. This happens over time. This happens by decisions that we make, that we become rooted, we become built up, and we become established in the faith. So that when the trial comes, I have roots. I have a foundation, and I can, I can you know, go through it with the Lord. As you have been taught, thank God for that, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Okay, the next one. Now, the ones that fell on the thorns are those who, when they have heard, they go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life. Is there anyone who doesn't know what that means? We know what that means, right? The pleasures of the world, the temptations of the world, for the appetite of the flesh. So here's someone, they hear and they receive it. Again, it seems that these ones, they become believers. But as they are growing, there is something growing up with them. It is the thorns. That they are growing, they're going to church, they're hearing the word, they're being affected. But also, they're fully in the world. And the thorns grow up and in time, it chokes the word. And the word is not effective or not speaking. If I think I can wholeheartedly live in the world and also come to spiritual maturity and spiritual health and bearing fruit a hundredfold in my life, I am, uh, I'm, that's not a good conclusion. That's not true. Lord, Lord will sanctify us according to his word. Look at the last phrase. And they bring no fruit to maturity. Okay, so Matthew's gospel says they become unfruitful. So again, maybe in the beginning a little fruit is growing up, but something else is growing up with it and it is contested. And again, I think of people who, oh, they're growing up. Oh, this is wonderful. But then uh, the thorns rise up. The devil knows how to tempt someone. I've seen it happen when a young person starts, or an old person, you old people out there, you young people, every one of us, we start making decisions for God, but to particularly a younger believer, and all of a sudden, something comes out of the blue. Prince Charming comes riding across this, the horizon of the sunset, his hair, you know, oh, or a job opportunity, or, oh, I've got, I can move to this kind, whatever it might be. You be careful with that. Pray it through, because God has a plan for you, and so does the enemy. He has wiles and schemes and plans against the believer. 
So we must be discerning. Now, I want to throw something in for those maybe that had a Calvinist foundation or perhaps that's your leaning. I'll just give you my, uh, my conclusion to this. Is it possible for someone to be saved like perhaps it seems like the rocky soil and the thorny soil, but yet not to continue bearing fruit. The Calvinist camp says there is no room for that. If you are truly saved, you will persevere until the end, and that's the evidence of your salvation. But personally, I don't align with that. I see that in the scriptures there is room, a lot of room, for a believer who falls away or backslides or doesn't continue in the faith. That's why Hebrews 12 is in the Bible, because as a loving father will discipline his son, so will God discipline his son to bring him back to the peaceable fruits of righteousness. Why would that chapter be in the Bible if when I backslide I'm not saved anymore or I wasn't saved in the beginning? So I personally believe that there is room for a carnal Christian not just a spiritual Christian and an unsaved person, but also a saved person who is not currently in this season of his life walking with the Lord. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and said to them, you are carnal. It's in the book of Corinthians. So that's my conclusion. But in John 15, it says those who abide in Christ will bear fruit, will bear more fruit, will bear much fruit, will bear fruit that remains. But it's about abiding. If I'm not abiding, uh, it says in that same chapter, verse 5, without me, you cannot bear fruit. Right? So if we are with him, we will. So that's something to put in your pipe and smoke, and you can think about that, and we can talk about that at another time. Verse 15. But the ones that fall on the good ground, and here we are. If you weren't listening now, listen to this. This is so good. The ones that fall on the good ground, Jesus says, are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. What does it mean to have an honest, good heart? Probably few of us would want to volunteer, oh, I have a good heart, because we know what the Bible also teaches about the heart of fallen men, right? But it doesn't say a sinless heart, right? It says a good heart. Again, it's speaking about the attitude of hearing. I understand I'm a sinner, but also I have an attitude that is towards God that is transparent, that is open, that I'm not living in self-denial or self-righteousness. I say, God, here I am. I'm a sinner. I'm open. Speak to me. Correct me. Guide me. Lead me. Speak to me. Like David did. Remember in Psalm 139, the last verse, he says... Um, Search me, O Lord, and show me if there is any wicked way in me, and then lead me in the way everlasting, right? That's a good and honest heart, honest, open. Like, here I am, Lord, search me, Lord, and show me if there is any wicked way in me, and then lead me in the way everlasting. That's the attitude that fruit will be born in that, in that case. So we're just, we're, just round, we're just landing now. Just bear with me a minute or two. Matthew's gospel adds this, and this is insightful. It says, he who hears the word and understands. Matthew says the good soil is the one who hears and understands, and I find that insightful because it means that because of the attitude of heart, 
They were meek or teachable or open to correction, and therefore they found understanding. God enabled them, gave them illumination so that they heard and also understood, like Nathaniel, the Israelite, in whom there was no deceit, etc. There was a, an openness uh, to God, open to the light, not rejecting it, not being proud, but humbling uh, oneself before the word of God. And then it says, and keep it, and bear fruit with patience. And notice that phrase. It's not bear fruit the next day. It's not, it's not a push button, fast food, download, quick fix Christianity. It's with patience, with patience, and then bearing fruit. The NIV says, who hear the word and retain it. The Amplified says, who hold on to the word tightly. The King James says, who hear the word and keep it. And Mark says, accept it. They accept it. Matthew says, indeed, he will bear fruit and he will, there will be a production in his life. So when I hear the word, I want to be one who let's re, retains it, holds on to it tightly, uh, accepts it, believes it, has a heart that is open to God and bearing fruit with patience. So those soils speak of different hearers and different responses and how careful we must be when we hear. And when we hear correctly, God will do a beautiful work in our life through his word. We want to be careful how we hear in the church service, but also generally in life. As a believer, I want to be meek and transparent and open before God, and he will bear fruit through us. He will produce fruit, and we will bear fruit. Okay, so Father, we thank you for these thoughts together this morning. We do pray you lay them to our hearts. You would use them in our lives personally, and as a church family, teach us more and more what it means to be hearers of the word. And not only hearers, but doers of the word, of course. But first of all, to be hearers and to hide the word of God in our hearts, to receive your words to us, we ask and pray. Perhaps as one here or listening online, you are not sure of your salvation or where you stand or, or what your belief is. Oh, take this moment and in your heart, just turn over the soil in your heart in this moment to receive the seed of the word. That the word, the, the incorruptible seed of the word of God could be planted in your heart today. That you could be born again by that seed. In your heart, just say, oh Jesus, I receive that seed today. I receive the gospel, your word. I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I am in need of a savior. Oh, please, come into my life and save me. I don't want this seed to be snatched away unless I should believe and be saved. But this moment, I receive the word. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life and be my savior. And then for each one of us here, each, each father, each mother, each husband and wife, each child and teenager, family, single person, old and young, oh, each one here, we just, we just bring our lives afresh to you. We just uh, yield ourselves to you, to your word, to your plan, to your grace. We ask for you to 
to bless, to guide, to lead, to cover, to heal, to answer, to provide. We trust you for it. We trust you and thank you for your blessing upon our local church family today. Bless these thoughts to our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.